Today's scripture reading as is out of 1 John chapter 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us, that which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we have made him a liar, and his word is not in us. This is the reading of God's Word. Well, if you turn over to one more passage, we'll look at John chapter 13. John chapter 13. I want to read to you verses 1 through 17. John 13, 1 through 17. If you... Uh, I don't know what your caption at the top of your Bible reads. Mine reads, The Lord's Supper. So we have a passage. We're going to have the Lord's Supper. Uh, what we're reading about happened when Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper. Well, let me read verses 1 and begin to go to verse 17. Now before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come and that he would depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, the devil, having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God, he got up from supper and laid aside his garments and taking a towel, he girded himself. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. So he came to Simon Peter. He said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I do you do not realize now, but you will understand hereafter. Peter, had, Peter said to him, Never shall you wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, then wash not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, He who has bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew the one who was betraying him. For this reason he said, Not all of you are clean. So when he had washed their feet and taken his garments and reclined at the table again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then the Lord 
and the teacher washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you also should do as I did to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. This is the reading of God's holy word. Now, last week we were in Luke 22 through 24 to receive the instruction that happens immediately before John 13. Um, The instruction is in who's the greatest. And Jesus is going to teach them about spiritual greatness versus worldly greatness. And, of course, the disciples are thinking um, under their breaths and in their minds, well, who is the greatest? You know, uh, kind of like I said to you guys, I, my, 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 uh, one of my favorite coaches he used to march us around the, ele- the uh, junior high school back in this, not middle school, but junior high. And we used to sing these songs, who is the fastest guy? And who is the greatest, strongest guy? And who is the guy that can jump the highest? And we, we went through this thing. And we thought we were a little drill, being drilled by the drill sergeant. And these guys have it on their mind. Who's the greatest among us? And Jesus is just hours from going to the cross, and he's got just a little bit more time. And so, have y'all noticed how many words are written that happen between this moment and the cross? There's tons of words in the book of John that are coming from Jesus to teach, uh, to teach these men, who is the greatest? Jesus starts in Luke 22, and he's instructing them in worldly versus spiritual Greatness. He has just so much time to get this point across. He says, worldly greatness is kings and lords and CEOs sitting around tables and reclining and being served and brought drinks and being able to sit there and tell people what to do. That's worldly greatness. And like I said last week, we're glad for that. We're glad people own businesses and tell us what to do so we can make money. But spiritual greatness is just the opposite of that. It's it's the master who's at the head of the table, who gets up, who has all authority, who owns the business. It's that person getting up, he says, and acting like a young person. It's that person getting up and serving others. It's that person getting up and being humble and laboring in love. Jesus ends Luke 22, verse 27, with these words, For who is greater, the one who reclines at the table or the one who serves? But I'm among you as the one who serves. And then John, instead of going straight to the illustration and straight to verse 4 and 5, where the, the uh, illustration happens of washing the feet, he tells us that all of this is motivated by love. He says he loved them to the end. And then we move to the scene. And so if you would take notes today, I would just say we're just moving to the scene. Verses 4 and 5, everything begins to slow down in verse 4 and 5. Jesus is the one who's at the head of the table. He's the CEO. He's the one in whom all things, in his hands, all things God has placed in his hands. And he gets up and he does something shocking. He gets in a position of servant, like a servant. The lowliest of all servants do what Jesus is about to do and it's like John is writing this if you read this from verses 4 and 5 it's like he's seeing it himself for the first time (laughs) and he wants you to see it in that way he's writing for you to get this to to slow down and look at what he's doing Jesus gets up 
The meal is in progress. He gets up. He lays aside his garments. He takes up a towel and he girds himself about. He starts rotating slowly around the table. He takes out a basin of water. He's washing these dirty feet. Remember, nobody's feet were clean. And he dries each person's feet with a towel. He does something no king would do. When host, when, when you were invited over to somebody's house, the host didn't wash the feet. They had somebody to do it for them. A lowly, lowly servant. Even Jewish servants wouldn't do this. And Jesus is the head at the head of the table, and he who has all things in his hand given to him by the Father, he has dirty the dirty disciples' feet in his hands. Now, how do we get back to our study of Simon Peter? <laughs> Remember now, we're talking about Luke 22, and the original aim is to teach about spiritual greatness in the kingdom. How are we going to get back to Peter? Well, we get back to Peter by looking at the fact that Peter interrupts the program here. Peter interrupts the process. The rotation's happening, and here we have Jesus coming to Peter, and Peter does what? He opposes this foot washing, and that's the title of the sermon. Peter has a question. In verse 6, he says, Lord, do you wash my feet? And we're supposed to be profoundly affected by this. We're supposed to think really highly of Peter because, I mean, look, Lord, do you wash sinful Peter's feet? <laughs> You know, we kind of get the impression he's going to say, not on your life, but we had not gotten there yet. I mean, do you hear him? This is a person who thinks, he. this is his hero. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. You remember what happened when, when Jesus took Simon Peter apart and said, I'm going to go to the cross and I'm going to die? Remember what he said? God forbid it to happen to you. This is somebody, Peter loves Jesus. Peter's been on the Mount of Transfiguration. He's seen the, the sun basically coming out of his pores. He wants to stay. He wants to worship. He doesn't want to come back home. He wants to stay there with Jesus. Do you wash my feet, sinful Peter's feet? I mean, on the surface, we're supposed to think this sounds humble. I'm going to go somewhere with this. Stay with me now. One of the commentators said this. There are two types of humility. There's false humility and there's true humility. False humility is a proud humility. False humility will fall down like Peter at Jesus' feet. False humility will confess its sins and say, Depart from me, Jesus, depart from me. False humility will agree that, 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 you're, that you're a sinful person. But it won't agree with Jesus at every point. It's a false humility. It won't agree with Jesus at every point. True humility sees Jesus rotating around the table and true humility says my master is good and does all things well true humility says jesus knows what he's doing even when i don't know what he's doing and i will permit him to wash my feet false humility will honor jesus as it chooses to you with me false humility will honor jesus as it chooses it will move jesus away from lowly and humble service it will say, you will not go to the cross, and it will say, never shall you wash my feet. But true humility says, thy will be done. True humility honors Jesus in what he does and what he chooses to do. True humility says, as we're going to talk about later this afternoon, true humility says, speak, Lord, for thy servant is listening. And true humility says with Eli later on, be it done to me 
as you see fit. So this is the, the Peter's opposition, and Jesus has an explanation. He's going to explain to him. He's going to answer the question. What I do, what I do, you, Peter, do not realize now, but you will understand hereafter. Now, what does hereafter mean? Does that mean chapter uh, 13, 12 through 17? Does that mean, that's, see, Jesus kind of gets into some explanation there. Or is he referring to what happens, the explanation that all the disciples have after the cross when in Luke 24 it says that Jesus opened their minds so that they understand that the law and the Psalms and the prophets are all about him. Which, which is it? Well, it really doesn't matter. The point that Jesus is making here is this. You don't understand what I'm doing. I understand what I'm doing. You don't understand what I'm doing. I'm going to explain it to you later. Not yet. And you need to trust me. You need to acquiesce to what I do. He says that. What Those words just stick in my mind. What I do. <laughs> this is Jesus' will. <laughs> this is like the Ten Commandments. What I do. This is what I do. And you need to let me do it. Even if it perplexes you. Even if you don't get it. You need to let me do it. You'll exp I'll explain it to you later. Jesus perplexes us at times too, doesn't he? I mean, Jesus is right there in, G in Peter's presence in the upper room, and you and I, we have Jesus by the power of his Holy Spirit, and we sometimes don't know what he's doing with us, right? He's at work in your life, and you're perplexed. <laughs> you don't know what he's doing right now, and you should take comfort in the fact that this Jesus who had those disciples Feet in his hands. John 10 tells us that Jesus has us in his hands right now. And you're perplexed. <laughs> what are you doing with me at work? What are you doing with, with me with these friends? What are you doing with me in this school sit situation? What are you doing with me in this job and, and this boss and these people and whatever it is I'm dealing with? What are you doing with me? I sure would like to know. So we get our Bibles out and we read and we study and we read and we study and we pray and we go to, we talk to our friends and we are asking God, what are you doing with me? And he says, not yet. I'm going to tell you yet. <laughs> not going to tell you yet. But I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. It's going to be just a little later down the, down the road. The question that we have to ask is, will Peter see it this way? And maybe we ought to ask ourselves that question. Will you see it this way? <laughs> How many reactions can we have? Will you see it this way, Michael? <laughs> Um, or are you going to get angry? What other choices do we have? Oh, Lord, I don't like your will. <laughs> will Peter submit to Jesus' revealed will? So we have Peter's question. We have him saying, Lord, do you wash my feet? We have Jesus' explanation, what I do. And now we have Peter's opposition. Never, verse 8, shall you wash my feet. Never in a million years shall you wash my feet. He is refusing point blank. Jesus, these are the this is the important statement. Jesus revealed will. This is what I do. And you have to let me. And he's refusing it. That's a dangerous, dangerous place to be. Now Jesus threatens him in verse 8. Listen to what Jesus says. If I do not wash your feet, Peter, you have no part with me. Did I read that right? <laughs> Did I read that right? If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. 
Do you hear what he's saying? If you don't let me wash your feet, you're excommunicated. If I don't wash your feet, then you have no fellowship with me. You have no place in the kingdom of God. You have no uh, part of my saving work. You're cut off. Now, how can this be that Peter's discipleship and salvation is being threatened over a matter of foot washing? You see, I thought Peter's salvation and my salvation is completely contingent on being washed in the blood of Jesus Christ that's received by faith. And it is. But for Peter, everything is rotating around this one transaction. And I would say to you and to me, everything rotates around how we respond. We talked about this in our men's group yesterday. How do I respond to God's revealed will? If I love Jesus, I'll respond to God's revealed will by doing what? Obeying. (laughs) And Peter's saying, I'm not going to obey. And Jesus is threatening him. Look, if you don't obey me, I'm going to cut you off. (laughs) If Peter cannot accept this humble service at this table, will he accept what Jesus is about to do in about 18 hours? With me? If he can't accept his feet being washed, will he accept more humble labor when he goes to the cross? If Peter will not have his hero wash his feet, will he have his hero go to the cross? See, early Peter rejected Jesus when he said he was going to go to the cross. And now he's rejecting Jesus again. But again, you have to accept this will. Peter, you've got to accept my will. (laughs) The foot washing, you have to accept that or you won't accept the cross. There's a real conflict going on in Peter. Jesus is his hero. Think about it like this. Peter wants Jesus to take the handoff from the quarterback and score the touchdown. He doesn't want Jesus blocking so that somebody else can make the touchdown. Peter wants Jesus to take the ball and get the dunk. He doesn't want him to pass it off somebody so that somebody else can score the points. Peter wants Jesus, no shade on Jesus. Isn't that what people say today? You're casting shade on me, right? We don't want any, he doesn't want any shade on Jesus. He takes Great pleasure in Jesus being honored. On the other hand, he's a sinner. Get ready. He's a sinner and he knows he's a sinner. He knows he doesn't deserve to be in the same boat with Jesus. But where would he be if Jesus actually walked away from him? Depart from me, but he really didn't want him to. He really didn't want him to. What would he do without Christ? See, to have fellowship For you and me, for Peter, for you and me to have fellowship, we have to have it with Jesus on his own terms. And Jesus, he will show us our sin and then he will give us consolation as we've studied and say, follow me, I'll make you a fisher of men. Sinful men must accept foot washing because it's the will of God. And sinful men, we must accept the cross or we have no part with him. If Jesus thinks foot washing is beneath him, and if Jesus thinks the cross is beneath him, there will be no saving blood for us so that we might be bathed in that blood and saved. But humility, Jesus' humility, leads him to do these lowly things. And if you and I will not accept these lowly things, then we have no part with Jesus Christ, and we are cut off. Let's look at Peter's response to this threat. Once Peter hears the threat of excommunication, what does he do? Well, let me put it this way. He reverses himself. (laughs) He reverses himself. Look at what he says in verse 9. Lord, then wash not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. (laughs) 
I mean, man, this is a guy I was talking to. I was talking to Dwight last night. You know, when you talk about a pendulum, at, at six o'clock, the pendulum is at the greatest forces are on the pendulum. Whether it was swinging, swinging from this direction or that direction, the forces are the greatest. How many of us would love to be that perfectly six o'clock person? who can stay at 6 o'clock when all the forces are on us one way or the other, stay right at 6 o'clock. We're the balanced man. But Peter, he's not balanced. He goes all the way over to 11, or he goes all the way over to 1. He's never, never going to be 6 o'clock guy. <laughs> he's never going to be that guy. And so he swings over and says, Lord, not just my feet, wash all of me. And so Jesus has to correct him. Now, haven't we heard this before? <laughs> uh, you know, get thee behind me, Satan. <laughs> We've got to correct this guy again. Look at verse 10. He who has bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean. So Jesus is saying to Peter, look, the man who goes to the bathhouse, and he gets all washed off, and he leaves the bathhouse, and he goes to the banquet, and then he goes from the banquet, and he goes back home. As he moves from point A to point B to point C, his feet are on the ground, and he's going to pick up pollution. He's going to pick up dirt. And Peter, look, you've been washed. My word, I've told you, according to my word, you've been washed. And that washing, that actual accomplishment of that washing takes place in just so many hours. A washing that we have by faith took place over 2,000 years ago, right? But this washing that you are going to, that I'm telling you you've had, it's taken place in just a few hours. It's accomplished then. And not only do you have this washing, but Peter, now all you need to do as you move from point A to point B to point C is you need to have your feet washed. You have been cleansed. Now you need to be daily washed of daily sins. Well, let me give you three applications before we look at the Lord's Supper. You need a decisive bath. Have you had that bath? Have you been cleansed by the blood of the cross of Jesus Christ. Have you seen your sin? Not just the feet, not just the sin on your feet, but have you seen that by nature you're a sinner? You're by nature, you're a sinner by choice and practice, and you're under the wrath of God, and you need the blood of Jesus to cleanse you and forgive you of your sins, but also to change you and give you a new heart. That's what that bath does. Have you asked the Lord Jesus Christ to bathe you and wash you clean? There was one person at this table. Jesus says, you, Peter, are clean, but not all of you. Are you clean? Number two, you need daily cleansing. How am I going to maintain fellowship with God? You see, I've been washed. I've been to the bathhouse. But now I've got to go to B, point B and point C. I've got to go to the banquet. I've got to go back home. I've got to go to the bath. I've got to go to the bath. I've, you know, I've already had the bath. Now I'm going to collect dirt on my feet. I'm going to collect sin and muck and mire as I walk around. So I'm going to need to confess my sins. I'm going to need to keep, as we say, short what? Short accounts. Y'all, all of us heard that last night. Ben was telling us some stuff. He was telling us some uh, music director stuff. And I haven't heard a music director say those words in a long time. But, you know, I've heard, I remember my uh, music, music professor and teachers in church saying, Breathe and, pre and sing from your what? <laughs> sing from your diaphragm, right? And so what do we say? Short accounts, short accounts. Why do, I, why do husbands and wives like uh, Lori and myself or Steve or any of us who are married, why do we go, um, honey, I'm sorry, please, I shouldn't have said it that way. 
Would you please forgive me for that? Why are we doing that? We don't want anything in the way. We want absolute ease of conversation. Why are we going to confess these sins to God? We don't want anything in the way between ourselves and God. And so Jesus teaches us to pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And the apostle, the apostle of uh, the beloved apostle in 1 John, which Mr. Moore read a while ago, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So Christ is at work in you. He's energizing you. And one of the things he energizes us to do is to confess our sins and be daily cleansed. Well, third... I want you to consider the threats of Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ threatened Peter because he refused to do the revealed will of God. What I do. <laughs> we have commandments. And if once Peter understood that if he persisted in this, if he had not submitted to the will of God, he would have been cut off. He immediately reversed himself. And this is how true believers respond at any point if you and I are refusing to do the will of God, if you are refusing to do the will of God and you see it, if somebody, how many times have I had men in my office and I'm showing them you are refusing to do the will of God? You know, men, men need to be told straight point blank, you are refusing to do the will of God. What do you do? What do you do? Well, by God's grace, you turn around. You reverse yourself. You turn right around. Think about Peter. This man opens his mouth and says, Never shall you wash my feet. And Jesus looks at him and says, If you do not let me wash your feet, you have no part with me. And then he says, Wash all of me. <laughs> Is that right? Is that correct? No, it wasn't correct. But you know what was true about Peter, even though he got it wrong there? Wash all of me. Jesus has to say, hey, look, I've already bathed you. You got that wrong, but let me correct you. But you know what's right about Peter? He didn't want to be separated from Jesus Christ. That's what's right about him. He's not going to let any sin stand in the way of his soul and the Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter how small the sin is, folks. It doesn't matter how inconsequential the sin is. It doesn't matter if it's you think that this course of action will better glorify God. If it's against the revealed will of God, you have to change course. If you find yourself arguing and justifying yourself in a course of sin, listen, arguing and justifying a sin... Jesus says this, you have no part with me. So what do you do? Listen, your soul is in peril when you're not doing the revealed will of God. And if we refuse to do the will of God and we tell ourselves a Christian, we have no reason to do that. But if you refused the will of God and all of a sudden you see it, you see it. And you say, thy will be done. You turn around and you will hear Jesus say, he who has bathed needs only to wash his feet. You will hear that you're clean and you need to go out and go and confess your sins daily. Well, as we move to the Lord's Supper, we read the words of institution from 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three through 26. Listen carefully. The apostle of Jesus Christ writes, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, 
that the Lord Jesus on the night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now, when you see that foot washing event, that's a precursor to the cross, isn't it? What a condescending thing for him to do, a lowly thing for him to do. And then he goes and does the more lowly thing the next day. So Jesus goes to the cross in total humility. His body is broken. His blood is poured out for the bath. And then as we think about the Lord's Supper, we think about those daily washings. As we think about that, as we come to eat and drink what Jesus is giving to us from his hand, yes, the minister's hands are used, but God, he he is giving this to you through these hands. This bread that we eat and the wine that we drink, they do not become the body and blood of Jesus Christ, but we do believe that as we eat the bread and drink the wine, that Jesus is spiritually present in those elements to feed us, to feed our faith. You and I are going to participate in the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. Do I understand that exactly? Not really. But the Bible tells us that we share in the body, we share in the blood. And so as we eat with faith in our hearts, we receive grace. Today you hear the word of God preached and it goes into your ears. If you receive the words through your ears with faith, you've been fed God's grace. And as you see these things in front of your eyes, and you receive them by faith, you receive more grace, the same grace, but in a different way. Who who may participate this morning? Well, the apostle of Jesus Christ tells us in 1 Corinthians 11, 27 through 30, we must examine our own hearts so that we might participate in a worthy manner. This is not a trivial thing that we are doing this morning. The Apostle Paul tells us that in his day, many did not judge themselves, and because of it, when they ate, they became weak, some became sick, and some even died. So it is important that we think about what we're doing. If you are not a believer this morning, I'm going to ask that you allow the elements to pass by you. And I want you to participate by thinking about the the bread and what it represents. Think about the blood and what it represents And think about talking to an elder or the pastor so that you might participate in the future. If you're a Christian this morning and you won't repent of of a sin, I'm going to ask that you allow the plates to pass you by. But isn't it interesting that our passage seems to deal with something about a revealed sin? Uh, Are you with Peter before or after Right? When Jesus corrected him. On the one hand, we say, Thy will be done, and I will obey you, whatever you say, or you with Peter when he says, Never, Lord, I will not do this. And if the minister stands up and says this, according to to God's word, if he says, If you won't stop that, you can't have this. What's this? This is fellowship. Peter goes, Oh, listen, I'm reverse myself because I gotta have fellowship. I gotta have Jesus. I can't be cut off. I can't be excommunicated. Thy will be done, Lord. (laughs) This morning, thy will be done. Is that in your heart? Turn away from your sin. Don't, don't, don't forsake this communion this morning. Are you a sincere believer? 
Are you saying with Peter, I will do your will because I cannot stand the thought of being left out from communion? As members of this church or another church where Jesus Christ is preached, have you made a profession of faith? Have you been baptized? Are you a member where the government of the church is taking care over your soul? Then you are invited this morning to come to the table. Jesus says, come and eat and come and drink. For this is true food and true drink, and it will nourish and satisfy your soul. Let's pray. Father, we praise you. We thank you for the opportunity to come and to eat and drink. Lord, we pray that we would be those who hunger and thirst after re-ratifying our love for you. You say, this is for you. And as we take it from you, we say, yes, we take you and we will eat and drink with you. We will fellowship deeply with you as we eat and drink with you and with one another in love. We, pray, we praise you and thank you for this time. We ask, Lord, that we would turn away from all of our sins. that We would come to you totally resting on what Jesus has done for us. Strengthen us as we eat and drink. We'll praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.